been a minute. Welcome to You Gotta Love It. Hello, lovers. Hello, lovers. The show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed. The show where you come to discover the best things you never knew existed. And the show where you force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. So, well, yeah, we'll, we'll start with this. So, my name is Koji. I am a part-time quarantine, no, part-time freelance podcaster and uh, full-time patient zero. <laughs> and with me, as always, is my good friend and home dweller, Andrew Patterson. Yeah. So uh, that patient zero thing, you might have noticed we didn't have an episode last week. And that is because I returned from a vacation and then immediately was ushered into the hospital for a mysterious illness and put into quarantine. So we were unable to record the episode that we're about to do now. And so I apologize for missing the week. I don't really like to miss episodes, but unfortunately, I uh, couldn't really record from the hospital. Yeah, and we're like 32 and one or something though. So that's like pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're going to try and get a little bit better with some backlog so that uh, even if we do miss a week, we're still still up and running. But uh, for now, all I can say is I'm sorry. And this episode is about what is it about? Our hidden gem for the week was Swiss Army Man. Yes. And our you got to love it for the week was Independence Day Resurgence. Mm. Uh so, where do you want to start? Where do I want to start? Um, what do we normally... I always forget. Do we start with the gem We start first? with the hidden gem, yeah. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, so... Swiss Army Man is a, is a movie about a farting corpse. You know what, though? Okay, here's the thing. Sort of. Even though I just made fart jokes. Oh. Uh, the online... And the critical reception of this movie and like how people refer to even how it's described online mm-hmm. is as the farting corpse movie, which is funny, but I think in an almost like, you think uh, they're being dismissive about it? Yes. But like, but the weird thing is that it's, um, I feel like that's kind of in essence what the movie is about. I think the whole, I could be reading way too much into this. I did watch a couple of interviews with the writer and director duo, but like, mm-hmm. I feel like the whole thing is they wanted to kind of break down some of those barriers. Uh, you know, people are really uptight and kind of touch on some things that are really sensitive issues. One of them being death. The other one being, uh, loneliness, loneliness and isolation, just social interactions, stuff like that. But also the bathroom humor, it's very easy to be dismissive of it. But like, I think it's like another one of those things where it's almost like you feel uncomfortable watching this. But like, why do you feel uncomfortable watching this? Cause like they even, there's even lines at the beginning where he talks about that book, Every, everything poops or everybody poops. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, so I think that it's funny that not even like critics that were reviewing it, but if you like search this movie online, like the first thing you read about it is about, it's about a farting corpse. The farting corpse thing happens in like the first 10 minutes and then it does happen throughout the movie. But like, there are other things that are way crazier, like yeah, fucking yeah. dick compass. Like there's like, you know what I mean? Like. So I think it's kind of, uh, I thought it was really interesting how almost to me it felt like so many people that watched this movie kind of missed the point because they were either 
so enter like oh it's so juvenile it's like a really puerile sense of humor you know blah 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 but like there's like an almost meta like it's kind of like that's the fucking that's what makes it so brilliant is that you're supposed to yeah. look at that and be like oh you know I don't know like yeah. what, it's yeah. so great there's that whole conversation where he's like people don't do that in front of each other in, in like back in the real world yeah and he's like why so is that why you haven't farted in front of me and it's just kind of like yeah I mean literally everybody does it what's the anyway go on just, just really quick so if you guys haven't seen it which you probably haven't uh, you can kind of get caught up. So it's about this guy who Paul is Dano. seemingly, yeah, Paul Dano, who is seemingly marooned on a desert island, uh, about to kill himself. And right before his moment of death, he encounters this corpse that just can't stop farting. It washes up on the shore of the island. Yeah, yeah. and he uses the farts and and rides the corpse back to shore, uh, and then comes to find out that this corpse actually has other uses and the corpse itself played by Daniel Radcliffe uh, slowly starts coming to life not coming to life in the like um, sort of like it can't walk you know but it it, it has consciousness consciousness it can talk and express itself in very rudimentary ways at first and it's kind of about the two of them and their journey to get back to, to civilization but also uh, Paul Dano teaching Daniel Radcliffe about civilization. And it, it's so good. It's fantastic. It's so, you know, the like, I think the, the, the tag they use the most or the, um, the pull quote they use the most was how it was like, or such a, pardon me, such a refreshing and original movie. And honestly, like that is like the best way to describe it. I can't, like it's kind of has elements of almost like a, in the storyline of like a weekend of Bernie's mixed with like, but like it's, it also kind of reminded me of hook a little bit. Yeah. There, there's all these like we, but like it feels in a world of so many sequels and stuff, you know? Yeah. Like it, it does stand on its own. And I think that like, I don't know, it's just crazy how many people seem to be so dismissive of it. Like it not actually, that's not true. I just mean like critically, like, we, yeah. you know, just reading about it online, people are like, Oh yeah. Like, if you can get past the fart jokes, like, what, no, like, what, the, yeah, that's the whole point. Like, um, the, well, I, I think I can understand why some people could walk into this movie, watch the first like 10 minutes and be like, no, this isn't for me. And then turn it off. Right. But the idea is that's sad. If, if that's you, what's sad. If you watch a little further into it, you'll realize like, oh, there's actually a point. Yeah. And it's funny because I think, um, I will say that I did. I was laughing f so hard through this whole movie, like like laughing out loud by myself. The right. first like twenty minutes, I watched with uh, my friend Leone, and she was also laughing very hard because we just couldn't really believe it. But then like we we're like, how is this a fucking thing? Yeah. But then like as we kind of settled into it, uh, and I was watching it, I was like, I did feel weird, but there was an almost self reflect like. I was like, why, you know, like, kind of, why do I feel weird? Well, I know why I feel weird, but like, you know, I yeah. feel weird laughing at some of this stuff because they've taken such a, but I think it also does a really good job of, of like, of, of setting up like a comfort zone for you. Like very quickly on, very, like immediately you understand the kind of the limit of what they're going to 
do. You're like, okay, well, they are starting with a corpse, a guy riding a farting corpse yeah. to safety, and it pretty much breaks down any sort of walls of like, oh, that's not proper. You know what I mean? Like, right. kind of like there's like a violation there, but like it's done in such a way and a kind of a humorous way that I guess I didn't feel concerned that there was, I mean, there's some pretty gross stuff in it too. Like the water, like, you know, like he's drinking the water, like yeah, yeah. there's some gross stuff in it, but it doesn't so, feel like graphic or, no, you know no. what I mean? Like it's weird how they set that up. And this Swiss sorry. army man is like a Swiss army knife, but a human corpse. So it holds water in its stomach. It has like judo chop, yeah, it's, it's like rigor mortis, strong. like makes it like elasticized so yeah. you can like light sparks off of it and like karate chop wood and stuff. Yeah, and it's got like really strong jaws. It, so he uses the body <laughs> to help him kind of like build implements to, to get him to safety or build clothing or mm. whatever he needs. At one point he makes kind of like an exoskeleton suit where he straps himself <laughs> to the back and yeah. like he walks using corpse. For, I mean, he can walk, but just for fun almost at that point. It, uh, there's also, uh, almost a musical element to it because the soundtrack for the, for the movies is very much tied into the movie itself. The characters are singing the melodies from the songs of the soundtrack and it's all an original soundtrack. I had a vested interest in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, it's actually Andy Hall and the other guitar player whose name escapes me right now. Uh, from Manchester Orchestra put the soundtrack together the two of yeah. them and on the actual soundtrack it is Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe that do some of the, the voices voice of vocal yeah. parts um, but it's funny so the whole them singing in the movie thing I was thinking about why I found it so funny after kind of what about it kind of tickled like I was like oh like beyond just bathroom humor because like farting alone the novelty wore off with the farting pretty pretty quickly but like and it was it made me think of Muppets because like it's kind of like he's manipulating like Daniel Radcliffe did such a great job being dead like as weird as that sounds like right any other conversations were cracking me up because one of the things that is hilarious to me about Muppets is like they can't most of them they don't have facial features that can make expressions only their mouth is moving so they do they're really animated with their body yeah and in this film there's a lot of that physical gag humor beyond just like farting where like they'll be having a conversation and Daniel Radcliffe will be like un- just uncomfortably propped against a tree or something right. or like in a sit in a position that no live human being would be comfortable in but he's a corpse so he can't like feel it and the only thing moving is his mouth like he'd be having a conversation with him and he'd just be like ask like they'd be talking about like love or something and he just like every time they show him he's just like it looks and there's something about that weird physical and the jerkiness of like when he's walking or whatever that I'm like, fuck, this is hilarious. And yeah. it, like, it's that thing where you kind of, kind of confronts you with, you're like, oh, should I be laughing at this? Yeah. I mean, come on. Like what, you know, like it's just. So it, it tends, it, it starts to take a serious turn because um, Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe seemingly fall in love with one another before they make it back to. Mm-hmm. society and then Paul Dano realizes like that's not proper by society standards and he's also infatuated with a girl whose photo he took before he left society uh, and then he makes it home to back to society and he's actually in this girl's backyard and the cops show up his dad who 
doesn't really care for him, neglects him, whatever. Called him, used to call him a retard. Not that, yeah. I mean, they make it very clear you're not supposed to say that word. Yeah. Um, and uh, just all, he gets confronted by all these things, like it's seemingly all the reasons why he left society to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then he's kind of like, it's hard to explain, but. The ending is very. Well, they make, it, they make gotta, it seem as if the whole thing was in his head and he. Uh, he ran away and then came back and he's just found this dead body that washed up on the shore. But like, it's not even like the, at the end of the movie, it seems as though he's been literally like 40 meters from her house the whole time with his corpse. And then like they, it takes them like five minutes to get down to like the shore and you're kind of like, Oh fuck. Cause like for the whole movie, you've thought that he's struggling to get back to society and it kind of makes you go, Oh, maybe this guy is just has been playing with like a dead body in a ravine behind this woman's house, which right. definitely, like you said, it does kind of ground you and you're kind of like, like, <laughs> like I, now I, I once again, don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. Um, which, which is interesting though. I think that, um, Daniel Radcliffe's character represents all this. And it, so he kind of has an almost, I guess, homosexual relationship with a corpse, but, well, the reason why, like, to me, what I got from it was Daniel Radcliffe's character actually just represents all the things that he was missing in his life. Mm-hmm. Just like all the feelings that he refused to have or Tundern. couldn't really understand. Yeah, but in, in a more positive way, right? Like, yeah. you know, self-assurance and love and just acceptance of whatever weirdness. So, like, you know, his dad used to you know, used to call him the R word, right? And... Yeah. um and so he probably took a bunch of that on and like thought that he was useless and all this stuff. And, you know, he's obviously a lonely guy. And in society, it's not really acceptable to be like, hey, I'm lonely because then people are like, Ugh, who's this weirdo? Right. Which yeah. further alienates you. Whereas uh, Daniel Radcliffe, the entire time is just like, who cares? Yeah. Like, let's, you know, we're happy together. The he Daniel Radcliffe accepts Paul Dano for who he is mm-hmm. unquestioningly and so by the end of the movie I thought okay well Daniel Radcliffe is just even if it is just a corpse it's it's Paul Dano coming to terms with being okay with whoever he is whether mm-hmm. that be some crazy guy uh, who well I don't think he was crazy I think he just needed to get away from life or whatever actually mm-hmm. just wanted to go there to kill himself yeah right and then maybe went a little crazy after attempting to kill himself mm-hmm. and use this body to kind of cope with um, getting himself back to a place where he can reintegrate with society. And then that's why at the end, Daniel Radcliffe's character just disappears. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I thought anyway. Yeah. No, that's a very good there. Yeah. There. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely felt like I took something, like it feel, felt like an overall, even though it's fucked up and has some very like downer moments or moments that kind of make you go like, oh fuck, that's like crazy. It's like overall positive, you know, like it's kind of, it, it definitely leaves you with questions though. Heartfelt, yeah. But it's almost as if they leave it in a way where those questions don't really matter. Like the, I mean, by questions, I mean like questions about what actually happened. It's almost like those were my most of my questions were like, oh, wait, was he just like a crazy guy living in this ditch behind this woman's house? Yeah. Like that stuff, it was like, well, that doesn't really matter. 
because that wasn't really the point of what we were trying to like talk about with this movie. There are two other things that I thought were great. One was the use of Cotton Eye Joe, yeah, and the Jurassic Park song, which I don't. I watched a YouTube panel discussion with the directors, and one of the questions from the crowd was, "What was it like uh, asking John Williams?" For the for or getting permission to use that song right. in your movie, and they're like, "Oh, it's pretty funny." Like they're talking about how they said, "Oh, well," like his people said, "As long as it's uh, less than NC-17," and they gave him like a look what the context was that they wanted to use it in, and uh, they're just like, "Yeah, it was like great." You know, we we really this song felt like so perfect for what we wanted to do with that part of the movie. Yeah. And, uh, they like tell this kind of, you know, like the one guy woke up, he woke up to the, the rest of the crew or like his, his writing partner banging on the door of their hotel room or something, doing the Jurassic Park theme to let him know they got it. Yeah. But then after they explained this whole thing, the guy's just, the moderator's like, did you tell him about the farting corpse part when you asked for the, like right to use it and they were like, no, we left that part (laughs) out. But like hopefully one day he sees, you know, yeah, um, but it was just like it was funny. They see, it seems like they had a, a lot of fun making it, and uh, the guys from Manchester Orchestra were a little uh, apprehensive at first about. But it's like a perfect storm kind of movie. It's like one of those movies where you're like, this could have been so fucking bad in so many ways. Yeah. you know, it could have gone yeah. totally. I always use this as an example, but like Fight Club, I think is just like a perfect example of a movie where you're like, had it been any other actor in any of those roles fucking any of them like somebody instead of meatloaf somebody instead of brad pitt or edward norton you know had it been a different director different you know like the adaptation like so many things right could have made that horrible because it's such a weird fucking thing to make. but instead it's like this amazing thing where it seems almost like just like a weird the stars aligned and i feel like this movie is kind of like that like yeah there could have been so many steps along the way where somebody was just like, no, we're not fucking giving you money to do that. Are you kidding me? Or like, you know, you're not, you're not getting this actor or whatever. I don't know. It just, it was, it was great. Right. Um, and there's a lot of, I also, um, there, I have a note here of just like that a part that I laughed really hard at was when, uh, they're having a party. Yeah. After they find I love, the vodka. I love that scene. And he's like, they're like about to like kiss or whatever. And then, uh, Paul Dano's like, oh, I'm, am I drunk? I'm drunk. And then Daniel Radcliffe's just like, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> but like, it's a, yeah. like, it was so fucking perfect. Like just the way they did it, just like face to face and only his mouth moves. And he's like so quiet about it. Like, as if that was like the one time he was like, oh, I'm supposed to act self-conscious about it or something. Even yeah. though he's clearly not drunk because it's a dead body. Oh yeah, me too. So. It's so, yeah, I don't know. They, they do it in such a perfect way is to, to, to deal with the, the whole dead body and all the conversations that they have. Oh, fuck. It's funny, man. There's so many hilarious moments. Yeah. A giant raccoon is going through things or whatever. Like, okay, so the one part I didn't understand, maybe you can explain it to me, is when they're up in that tree and he's starting to get those like flashes. What was that? I... I didn't really I forgot about that but my understanding when it was happening I almost thought it was like a Tyler Durden kind of thing okay except for the way the movie ended where everybody could clearly see the corpse I thought maybe it was like he 
there was a number of things that could have been hinting at, like maybe he actually did die and like he was coming back to life or like him and the corpse were one and the same. And it was just like a, you know, a figment of his imagination. Yeah. And he'd actually done all this stuff on it. Like there was all of these and it was sort of almost like a looper thing where like in looper, you know, when he starts changing his past. Another Paul Dano movie. Yeah. Which I watched last night. Uh, my girlfriend and it was she had never seen before. It's amazing. But you know if how like he's like had that vinyl. He's changing. Shame. He is changing his past, so his memories start changing. It was almost like he. There was some yeah. It was something that I don't know. That's kind of but it was one of those things where it didn't. Maybe it's crucial. I'll definitely watch this movie again. But I, I just kind of like glazed over it and I was like, I don't even care. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm still kind of sticking to that that they were. Um, or that Daniel Radcliffe is an embodiment of his like hmm. fear, not fears, but his the opposite, his like ambitions. Because w- when they go, when they get back to society, and he's confronted by all the people that scare him the most, so mm-hmm. Sarah and his dad, and the cops being a you know authority figure, the reporter, the reporter, yeah, uh, and the cameraman played by Andy Hall. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The 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 uh, Daniel Radcliffe's character just goes silent, right? He just kind of. Uh, it was the other thing that was kind of weird was how his dad mistakes the corpse for him, initially. Yeah, he sees it and he's like, thinks that's his son. I was like, what? Is that just supposed to illustrate that he doesn't fucking? He's not involved in his son's life? Because I was like, how? That was another Tyler Durden kind of moment. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> like, what's yeah. happening? Um, <clears throat> yeah, Ramona Flowers. Yeah. It did kind of go off the rails, though. Like, I had when the whole, like, fire with the bear. Yeah. Pre-tree and the tree thing. I was like, whoa, this is really escalating really quickly. I kind of figured that was the wake-up call to be like, oh, you can't really be out here anymore. Mm. Yeah, when it's like, it's fucked up. Like, it's not just fun and games. Mm. You know, like, because up to that point, it's kind of like... Yeah, he had a bit of trouble surviving, but he hadn't really run into any serious issues. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that's... Anyways, that's I... That's probably good. You know what my first We've... four notes on this were? What's that? Their point, their point form, it just says, brilliant is the first one. The second one is farts. <laughs> that's all it says. The third one is Cotton Eye Joe. And then the fourth one is Jurassic Park. Those are my, like... I enjoyed this movie so much that I remembered it without needing to take notes, but the only four bullet points I put were just single word or or, or title. It was pretty funny. Brilliant. Farts. Cotton Eye Joe Park. Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's fun great. Yeah, and I... I oh, I was going to say that the, the, the last thing I'm going to say before we move on is it also... Um, there's certainly some sort of comment to be made about garbage because a lot of what he deals with, what people he's discard, the, yeah, what he 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 like um, reuses people's garbage to like make things throughout this entire film. Like yeah, it was he, almost Michelle Gondry esque. Yeah. You know, it was like science asleep or be kind of rewind in terms of the some of the set pieces they had. Yeah, but like made of garbage. You're like, whoa, that's a really brilliant way of like making a bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Out of garbage. It, uh, and, you know, I'm sure there's a comment about, you know, the things we discard and maybe he's a, 
dis- was discarded at a point and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. Anyways, there's a lot to unpack. It's probably a movie that you should see more than I once. I would recommend it, though. And honestly, if you're the type of person that, like, you're like, ugh, fucking fart jokes, just stick with it for, like, the whole thing. If you're not so laughing, watch yeah, watch the whole thing. But like, I'm just saying, if you're not laughing or you don't, you're like, this isn't for me. If you're one of those people after like the first 10, 15 minutes, just try to stick it out. Cause well, it's you, can, very- you can watch this. It doesn't have to be funny. Like True. E- e- even if you approach this and you're like, I don't find a single aspect of this movie funny. Mm-hmm. Cause like I didn't laugh out. I won't mind you. I was on a plane, so it was a little bit harder to laugh out loud, but even if you approach this movie and you're like, okay, well, this isn't my kind of humor, there's still a lot of intellectual messaging involved mm-hmm. in the film that, like, that doesn't even matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a good one. Anyway, moving on to a movie that is arguably not a good one mm. is... I'll argue that. Independence Day Resurgence. Guys... I found this movie very easy to, to love. I'm gonna be real with you. I I thought this movie was fucking great. <laughs> For what it was, amazing. To me, this was one of those so bad that it was good. So many notes. Type films. First of all, first of all, let's just let's just uh, guess, you know get out the elephant in the room here. Fucking Charlotte Gainsbourg. Oh, yeah, right? Isn't that fucking crazy? Yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah. It, like, I was like, yo, sh- is that the fucking... Was she was an antichrist? Like, it was like I had fl- a flashback. I had to, like, pause the movie yeah. and cope with it. I need to go, like, get some fresh air, sit down, because I had a flashback of watching all the horrible shit that she did. Was in- she in the first one? No. Because they're, like, so familiar with her. I'm like, did I miss something? Was she? I don't think she was. I think it was just a, a, to introduce, like, a love interest for Jeff Goldblum. It was like, oh, we had a fling. Okay. It's, But you know what? Like, fucking good for you. Get them checks. You know what? Like, <laughs> yeah. you're in these, like, fucking crazy, like, nymphomaniac, these, like, super, like, art house, very, like, heavy yeah. statement films. You know what? Why not fucking do a summer blockbuster and not just any summer blockbuster, a fucking Roland Emmerich fucking sequel to one of the like original alien block summer blockbusters. Right. With the iconic White House, you know, but you know what? You know, you've heard me bitch about like Pacific Rim so much, right? And how I think that for movies that are this type of movie, for me personally, one thing that would make it okay is if they acknowledged either in the dialogue or in some way that they uh, they appreciated what they were in. You know what I mean? Like, right. that, and this movie did, had that in spades, I thought. Like, Jeff Goldblum is fucking gold through this. I mean, he's gold, like, any, in anywhere. Yeah. But, like, this movie, to me, had the... If we're talking about summer blockbusters, it had the perfect balance of, like, the jokes and the one-liners were one-liners that were, like, we get it. We're in a sequel of like a summer blockbuster movie. Everything is just bigger. You know what I mean? There's right. so many moments like that, but I, but they were like, good. They were like, I thought they were actually funny. Like I was like, Oh yeah. Like that, that makes sense that that character would feel like that. But also like it just, ha- it had something that it didn't take itself seriously at any point in the movie. Even when there was like crazy shit happening or the president was giving a speech, like there's like every five minutes it felt like there was a moment where somebody acknowledged how ridiculous everything was yeah. and 
because of that, I had a great time the whole movie through. I was like, this is fucking like well, so much better than I was ho- what I was hoping for. All the characters become characters of themselves from the first film. Yeah. Right? Like, so like, um, oh, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank. Jeff Goldblum's dad. Oh, yeah. Is <laughs> just like more curmudgeon-y and more Jewy <laughs> than he was in the first one. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just like so crazy. Man, it was so that storyline is just so, and everyone has their own storyline. There's yeah. a million storylines going on. And they're yeah. all just, a lot of characters. Yeah, you know, but and like, you know, I love. I mean, who doesn't love Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park? And to an extent, I think this is Jeff, very Jeff Goldblum esque. But like a lot of the moments he was involved in felt like some. Like in Jurassic Park when he's in the back of the jeep and the T Rex is chasing him, he's like, "Must go faster, must go faster," you know, and just sort of like there's a, a dark humor in like everything he does. And there's so many moments in this movie, like when he's looking through the binoculars and sees the school bus. And it's just like, that's just like a Jeff Goldblum moment. And he's just like, what, like, what are these people doing? What's for school bus out here? Right, right, right. Then it's his dad. And it's just like, Oh, obviously, I don't know. Oh, I Judd mean, Hirsch. That's uh, his name. Completely. Like I could talk a lot about Jeff Goldblum in this, or even like this for one of his first lines when they're on the moon. And he's just like, Oh, you know, like that, she's like, it's a lot, that ship's a lot bigger than the first time. Like yeah. there was, I don't know, man, it was, it was good. And like everybody had those, um, fucking what's his name? The ex, the president, the, from the, from the first one who like gets in the fighter jet. Yeah. What's that actor's name? Why am I drawing? Bill to- Pullman? Was it Bill Pullman? Yeah. yeah. The guy who does the president from the first one who gives yeah, yeah, the speech. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of their, like, everybody it was fucking, I don't know, man. I thought, like, I I really did not feel let down at any one point. And the, moving on from that. The only thing, okay, yeah. the only thing that, like, annoyed me, because I, I came into it expecting it to be a stinker, but it was one of those so bad it's good type films. The only thing that, like, kind of, I was like, okay, that's enough, was at the very end when they're battling the queen mm-hmm. and there's just the, the, that battle ends like five times. Do you know what I mean? So like they like down the ship and they're like, ah, oh, yeah, we got her. And they're like, oh no, she was wearing a shield. Oh, we got the shield down. Now look, let's blast the shit out of her. Right. And like, ah, oh, yeah, we got her. And then like, oh no, she's still, she's still running around, like coming after the kids or whatever. And like going to break into the, into the thing. Right. And then like, anyway, they, they killed so the queen like four times. Here's the other thing. Uh, I have so many notes on this movie. So many notes. Okay. Like, it's crazy. But, like... Let's get into it. So, another thing I thought about this movie, when people talk about, say... I'm going to keep using this as an example because it's a really good comparison and it's science fiction and yada, yada, yada. When people talk about, like, oh, well, maybe these plot elements don't matter as much because somebody just wanted to make a big movie about, like, robots fighting each other. Right. You know, I actually thought from a plot perspective that this movie was solid. Like here, like go, just bear with me. Bear with me for a sec. Okay. You're making a face. I think a, it's really cool. The idea that the, at the end of the first one, all these huge ships come to earth with crazy advanced technology and we blow them up. Right. And they all crash on the earth. Sure. This movie opens with, in the last 
two decades. Yeah, they co-opt the technology. Yeah, which makes... I love that. Yeah. That was amazing. I was like, okay, even though we're still weak, they're like, okay, we're going to be ready next time. And like the world banded together. It was like almost like a post-Watchmen, what would happen if the world was unified? That's a sick concept. And even though at no part do you go into this movie thinking it's going to be like high science fiction... Right. So the way they handled that, I thought was perfect. They didn't overly explain it. They weren't like, oh, we did. They were just like, yeah, we did some reverse engineering. And we had 20 years to try to figure this shit out. I'm like, fine. Makes sense. That's all you need to say. Like, there yeah. doesn't, literally, there doesn't need to be anything else. And then the, that globe that comes, that they're like, oh, fuck. Like, let's kill it. Because it's like, you know, that also, I was like, yeah, that stands to reason that probably the government of the world would do that, even though there are people saying don't do it. Right. And it also makes sense to me that... I really like that they introduced another species to be like, like it stands to reason if there's one out there that's fucking stomping around, that there's another one out there. And I like that it was sort of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I did like that. I didn't really like that other species sort of motivations, but that aside, I did like that there was another species out there. So over the course of the movie, like I went in expecting like, this is probably going to be fun, but it's going to be stupid. I was like pleasantly surprised, but I was like, oh, they didn't like fucking overdue and try to make it like ex machina and like really deep but like at least they hit these points where they were like this is the setting and it stayed within that for the whole movie it stayed within that it right. wasn't like let's try to blow it up with the virus but it was but like for all of those things there's also like the introduction to the hemsworth character is like i'm gonna fucking take my ship out and you're gonna tell me don't burn those thrusters and i'm gonna be like no i'm gonna fucking burn them and save everyone but i'm still gonna get grounded you know like yeah but i mean that follows those tropes yeah but those aren't like i'm talking about like the overarching like the story of this movie like the the logic to me throughout for the main story made sense (laughs) right so no but well not not so much the story You're, you're talking about the backdrop for the film Kind of fit and and was was good. I'm, I'm but just even saying how they reacted the, to things. The, the I character thought made sense. development is a little bit kind of by the numbers. Sure, but I didn't think. But like, I don't think that in a summer blockbuster that makes it bad because I think what they're doing is like, sure, it might have been fucking paint by numbers, but like with because they weren't fucking everything else up. I was fine with it. I was like, yeah. okay, you got the hot shot pilot. Okay, yeah, yeah. you got that. Like it was like whatever. Like, and that's why when people are like, oh, I'm fine in this other bad movie with those things, but the other movie doesn't have that backdrop in place, in my opinion. It's just like shit with shit in it, and people are like, oh, it's fine though, I can just turn my brain off. I was like, this is a perfect example of a movie that you can turn your brain off, yeah. but like, at least they made the effort to like kind of make things make sense. And another thing that was cool, excuse me, was, uh, oh, fucking totally lost my train of thought. Oh, what, a thing that I liked was that when one of the things that could have been a plot hole is like, oh, it's 20 years later, like, and they're using the same technology. That makes perfect sense because they explain that this species has just been fucking owning everything. They don't need to advance their technology. When the guy gets in and he's like, he, he comments on how like, oh, it's like the same thing, but with an updated interface. That to me was almost like a, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge at humans and how we're very reactionary. Like we don't, the yeah, only yeah. time we advance things is when we're forced to. So it was kind of like, they, well, we yeah. destroyed their ships, but they were like, well, fucking, we'll get back to them later. We don't need to worry about it. They're just on one planet. And then I, when they come back with bigger ships, yeah. they haven't like made the ship more advanced. So we're actually able to fight with them. To me, it was just kind of like a comment on cell phones or whatever. Like how like yeah. things aren't really that much better any at this yeah. point. Like we, we've kind of hit a crescendo just like, oh, sure. you know, like... <laughs> Last year's iPhone's the same as, as this year's, yeah. except with an updated interface. Totally. And yeah. it was just those little nuggets where I was like, there's almost a little bit of like, 
outside of Blockbuster, you know, kind of, and I, I yeah. liked when they dropped those things. And another one of those moments that I thought was great was when uh, they activate that sphere and it's like, uh, oh, fuck, what does it say? One of them asks them, it's like, yeah, we've been like going around collecting like the more or rescuing the less advanced species. And the guy's like, wait, are we less advanced? And the, the thing responds is like, yeah, like we, we abandoned our fit, like our physical flesh, flesh and blood form, like thousands of years ago and uploaded ourselves to like a fucking like unified digital consciousness, which is like the whole, every time we, we like you and I have like a, are at a dinner party talking about like singularity and yeah. like. People are so like, ooh, I don't want to do that. And this robot was just like, yeah, you, you fucking monkeys. Like, yeah, you guys are so primitive. Like, why, how have you not already done this? And I was yeah. like, that's that's sweet that it's like a hive mind machine that's like good, though. It's not yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, get with it. Get with the program. Right. No, um, the effects were amazing. Well, I mean, yeah. But, no, well, yeah, but like. It, they surprised me even. I thought that like the budget was such that you would hope they didn't really spend it on casting. Sure, but like when I was watching it, I was like, "Wow, I kind of wish I had watched this in like IMAX." Like the it's Roland Emmerich, sure, but like I remember that what was it, twenty twelve or whatever, the one with John Cusack, oh, like the yeah, end yeah. of the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I honestly don't remember being impressed by any of his like destruct world destruction movies, like his end of the world movies. Like I, I don't remember being like, wow, this is really amazing. I was like, oh, there's a lot of CG, but there were moments in this where I was like these sets, like on the, on the moon, the moon base, like there's all of these beyond just like CG where I was like, this looks fucking gorgeous. Like the way it was filmed, even like when the, all the dust is coming off the moon and the like giant sphere comes out of that like wormhole. Yeah. There's like a lot of moments where I was watching it. I was like, Whoa, like this looks, this looks fucking cool. Like we, I'm into this right now. Can we talk about the guy with the machetes? That yeah. to me, <laughs> to me, that was the funniest part of the movie. They're like, Oh, yeah. well here's a warlord. He's a good yeah. guy. But you know what though? That was another one of those little tidbits where they introduced that. I was like, Oh, it's so sick that like some of the ships that crashed had live aliens on them. And like, right. they weren't all in America where we could blow them up like it was in like a third world country and like these like people who are already living in like extreme poverty now have to fucking fight these aliens that are coming out of their ship and we don't have the resources to be like oh yeah we'll, we'll send you a bunch of warships to blow them up I was yeah. like so there are all these things where I was like that's fucking cool man that's like a sweet little detail that like you could make a whole movie about a lot of these little things really but I like that it like I think that they all fit together again every time I say it, it's in the context of like a fun summer blockbuster alien invasion movie you right. know what I mean but like I was like anyway I think you can tell by my it tone just, of voice and the has, amount of points I have I was like oh fucking this was sweet like, it I has liked elements it. of a real sci-fi film not, not that this totally. wasn't a real sci-fi film but it has elements of a sci-fi film that could actually be more than a summer blockbuster yeah which is more than you usually get from a summer blockbuster totally. so also there was a really, uh, there was a really funny, well, I thought it was really funny, but maybe it's just a really cheesy one-liner, but I liked, again, acknowledging the ridiculousness of like Roland Emmerich movies when they are coming back to Earth, Jeff Goldblum, and like they're in that like moon tug, and they're flying through like just debris coming down. From and, the like, old ship. From the old ship, and like the, the Burj Khalifa has just been dropped from like orbit and it's like blowing up the fuck like Paris or like they're in Europe or something. Yeah. And like, I can't, 
can't even remember. It's either Parliament in England or the Eiffel Tower or something gets destroyed, and he just kind of comments. He's like, "Oh, they love to get the landmarks," and it was yeah. like so funny because it was like of all of the places on the planet, it's like literally they just show. You know, like the poster, the iconic scene from the first one, it's always something that, like, everybody can recognize as right. opposed to just, like, the middle of Mexico City or something. Yeah, yeah, Um, So there's a lot of that kind of tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, we get it. We get we get as characters that we're in this ridiculous thing, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a, I had a lot of fun watching that movie. I didn't, I didn't hate it. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that it was a good movie, and I wouldn't suggest that others run out and watch it unless you are the type that kind of enjoys as I do the you know I would say that for anybody that fucking loves watching Pacific Rim definitely watch this movie sure sure if you're into like big epic shit like this movie's great for that that's I'll I'll give you that I did not like Pacific Rim though yeah so there you go yeah I that's mean, weird though because I kind of liked this movie and I did not like Pacific Rim but I think it you know we whatever we don't need to go down that road again I just it depends. It, it's a certain type of blockbuster that re- I require. To, like I love the Die Hard films, even the bad oh, ones. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, but that's come on. You know, that's Die Hard. That's fucking. You can't touch that shit. Uh, you are. Are you gonna see the new King Kong movie, or like that new Godzilla movie that just came out? Shin Godzilla. What? Yeah. It just came out. I think. I think it just came out. We should go see it. I don't know if it's in. The, it might be in select theaters or something. Let's uh, let's double that up with D War. For the for one of the next episodes, oh, Shin Godzilla and D War. Yeah, that'd be good. I'd do that. Anyway, I think this is the part of the show before I shit my pants. Oh, you not feeling good? Where we say, well, I haven't been feeling good for a while. True. Uh, where we give our recommendations for the week. <laughs> um, yeah, go on. So, recommendation. Do you have one, Andrew? I do. Because I've got one. Mine's Westworld. Mine's musical. Okay. Uh, yeah, Westworld. Yeah, it's oh, very yeah. good. You Dude, know what? I, we haven't even had a chance to talk about it. I'll the, I'll tell you the moment that I was. It's on in twenty six minutes. W- w- the moment that I was like hook, like caught hook, line, and sinker. Was it the intro credits? No, because they're fucking amazing. They're all great, and like I love the show before this point, mm-hmm. but this point, like I'm diehard now. I'll watch it to the end, no matter how shitty it gets is the point where uh spoiler alert by the way if you guys haven't seen the first two episodes i don't feel bad about spoiling because it's like right in the beginning yeah but when ed harris's character goes to that like mexican town mm-hmm. and just slaughters everyone and he's just like where's the maze <laughs> and like the guy like won't tell him and then he shoots the guy's wife in the head and he's like where the fuck is the maze whatever and then like all of a sudden everything just goes silent and the kid the kid like who's like crying profusely just all of a sudden goes dead face and it's just like the entrance to the maze is whatever like and it's just like some easter egg that he found in the game you know and it like n- no matter how serious shit gets in Westworld ultimately it's still a game yeah right? like there's a game element to it and I'm just like well, wow that's so crazy what I thought was brilliant about this show is that there's all this like in the media they're like oh this is HBO's new Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones is coming to an end right and this is the show this is like their big push for something to replace Game of Thrones yeah and I was excited to watch it but I wasn't like you know I'm excited to watch like all the new HBO stuff like I actually I like pay for HBO so like when I see when I you know when they show a new episode of something they'll show they'll show a bunch of trailers right uh, and it always gets me pretty pumped but yeah. like I wasn't like fuck like I can't wait 
And then as soon as the media started saying this is going to be the new Game of Thrones, I was like, okay, like how it's about a fucking Western amusement park. Oh, as soon as they announced it, I was like, it, as soon as they were like, okay, we're redoing Westworld. By the way, redoing yeah. Westworld. I was like, oh, I'm in 100%. Yo, but what's cool about it is in the first episode, they did such a good job of like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's With like, the initial misdirection? No. I mean, yes, but... I like that a lot. Like, one of the things with, say, a show like Game of Thrones that allows it to be, I think, so addictive is the same thing that kind of almost turns people off is there's so much. There's so much content and storyline and so many characters. And in the first episode of the show, they fucking battered me over the head with so much shit. I'm like... There's so many interesting characters that I want to know that I don't know anything about. Yeah. I want to know what's going on with the shareholders. I want to know what the real like. I want to know what the outside world looks like. Like what what year does this take? You know, there's so yeah. many things where you can appreciate the show for what it is, but immediately I'm like, they better get into this show. Better go like eight seasons, and we better find out like what it, you know. Well, the robots get out, or so you know, like there's just so much potential. We, we should also do a you gotta love it for the. Original Westworld, because it is a You Gotta Love It, by the way. And the thing, there's so much, like, the acting in this show, HBO just, like, keeps outdoing themselves, I think, and, like... Oh, it's crazy. One thing that blew my mind in this show was the ability of the actors to go between the being convincingly human to being robotic, robot. but not, yeah. like, in a way that's... Uh, like, not like, I am a stereo- robot. Yeah. yeah. Like, that, that, when they're in the first episode, when they're interrogating the father... Like, in the diagnostic That's, like, fucking... Man, it blew my mind. I've watched it twice, by yeah. the way. The whole the whole first two episodes twice. I watched yeah. it once alone and once with my girlfriend. Like, still gives me chills. It's, br- like... It's brilliant. Like, that guy need, fucking deserves an award for just that scene. His eyes are all watery and how it, like... Yeah. I don't even know if they like incorporate animated elements into it because some of it seems like when he's sitting there and they'll be like access like uh, you know your previous build and he kind of goes like t- like he's like blinking and stuff like yeah. I'm like how the fuck did they do like it blows my mind so we just just, just about spend as much time on this as we did the actual you got love in a hidden gem just yeah. fucking watch the show you won't be disappointed Absolutely. It doesn't matter if you're in a sci-fi or Western or whatever dramas, fucking just check it out. It's like, it's stellar. Totally agree. My recommendation for the week is the new Bonnie Vera record. Yeah, I really like it. I don't know why people are fucking shitting, like shitting all over it. I haven't read any reviews, but, uh, I was in a record store the other day and a guy there was shitting all over it to a customer. That's interesting. He's like, I just don't get fucking auto-tune. It's like, well, if you yep. listen to the last record, to me, yeah. it just sounds like a natural progression. Or anything to this in the last record. fucking ten years, like there's yeah. lots of great things that are auto tuned. Like, don't so, be a baby. So the times I, are changing. I would strongly suggest checking this record out because it is. Well, if you haven't checked out the last one, uh, self-titled record, Monivere, check that one out first. But if you're a fan of that one, I would say listen to this one because it is stellar. I think. I'm really enjoying it. A lot yeah. of good records have come in the last like three weeks, though. Yeah. I can't even fucking. It's crazy, man. Thanks, Fanagram. A lot of good shit. Solange. Anyways, Solange record. I'll, I'll throw down a Bonnie Bear song at the end of this. Word. Thanks, guys. All right, coach, just gotta go to the bathroom. Oh yeah, peace. <laughs> Thank you.